Without Chris Olave and without Jarvis Landry, where would the New Orleans Saints find their offense in Cleveland? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcasts that work your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. And today's episode is brought to you by better help. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. And we have a special offer just for Locked On Saints and Locked On Podcast listeners. You can get 10% off of your first month over at betterhelp.com slash locked on. Appreciate you very much for making it for another episode of Locked On Saints. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you that are tuning in today. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at where the New Orleans Saints will struggle the most this weekend, the one advantage that they have over the Cleveland Browns. But we're going to start today off with a look at how the offense is going to be drastically, drastically limited in Cleveland. And it's not just because of the weather. I know everybody's talking about the weather. I get that, all of that. But beyond just the weather, The New Orleans Saints will be without Chris Olave, and for the rest of the season, will be without wide receiver Jarvis Landry as well. You remember that after the win last week against the Atlanta Falcons, one of the things that we talked about was how the New Orleans Saints found those multiple pass-catching options in places that we didn't necessarily expect them to do so in 2022. We thought that they were going to find those multiple pass-catching options throughout 2022 in Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave, but the fact of the matter is that in 2022, they found those multiple receiving options for the first time in their offense in quite a while in Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, and Juwan Johnson. Now they're without Chris Olave. And as we mentioned, Jarvis Landry headed to injured reserve to minimum four games that must be served on injured reserve. So unless the New Orleans Saints make some unprecedented playoff run here, Jarvis Landry season and time as a New Orleans Saint potentially is over or could be over. We'll see if he resigns over the course of the offseason. But with the limitations now, that you're going to have with the weather, but also limitations that you're going to have in the passing game. The most production you've had from this team, for the most part, has come through wide receiver Chris Olave, a potential rookie of the year campaign that's very likely now halted uh, in that conversation, unless he comes back and has an enormous closing final two weeks. Where are the New Orleans Saints going to find their offense? Well, one way or another, they were going to have to find it in the run game, right? They were going to have to find it with Alvin Kamara. They were going to have to find it with David Johnson. They were going to have to find it with Eno Benjamin, who can hopefully get out on the field this week. Didn't play last week. Very likely more so because he was added to the team. Not a lot of time to get caught up on the playbook. It was the third offense he was learning so far this season, and by far probably the most complicated offense that he had to learn so far this season in comparison to Arizona's and in comparison to uh, Houston's. So maybe he gets out on the field this week and then ends up having a big impact. How can the New Orleans Saints attack the Cleveland Browns? With their three running backs, well, big part of that is going to be how often can we see multiple of these backs on the field at the same time? For instance, 
Alvin Kamara and Eno Benjamin. You have Alvin Kamara lined up out wide. You have Eno Benjamin in the backfield. There's a lot of different things you can do that. You can utilize the jet sweep action, which we saw Alvin Kamara get a 13-yard run on last week. Use that as a play action and send Eno Benjamin on a pitch to the other side. Maybe you end up faking the run to Eno Benjamin and instead going with the jet sweep to the opposite side. Lots of different ways that they can utilize having multiple or 22 personnel, 12 personnel, these multiple running backs out on the field or 21 personnel or 22 personnel, excuse me, which would be two running backs and two tight ends in 22 or two running backs and one tight end in 21. So outside of that, there's another place where they can get this production and it's going to be by utilizing the short passing game as an extension in the run game. Something that used to be just kind of understood a staple in the New Orleans Saints offense that hasn't been the case so far this season. We've talked about it before. The Saints have thrown the fewest screen passes in the NFL with only 26 Despite the fact that, at least with Andy Dalton at the helm, they've been averaging about seven yards per on those attempts. So it's not an inefficiency situation, it's a play call situation. So do you feel confidently enough about Alvin Kamara, Eno Benjamin, Rashid Shahid, even Juwan Johnson, to where you can start to get them involved in more running back, wide receiver, and tight end screens? That's an easy way for you to maybe pick up some passing yardage to where you throw a quick screen to Rashid Shahid, turn him into a returner with blockers out in front of him, and bam, all of a sudden you've got a 20 yard gain or something to that effect. Now, you also want to watch for Taysom Hill, right? Taysom Hill is going to be a big part of how the New Orleans Saints try to put together some offensive production in this one, running the QB powers, running the QB sweeps, running the uh, the, the zone reads and the read options. But you can also utilize uh, Taysom Hill, excuse me, as another way to bolster that short passing game. Because if you can have Taysom Hill under center or in the shotgun, you end up kind of causing the defense to be to close in, right? To focus on what's going on in the backfield. So you use that look, but then you throw a screen to the outside and all of a sudden you've got one or two men to beat over on the opposite side with one or two blockers ahead of uh, Rashid Shahid or whoever you decide to run the screen to. The trick is run the screens to the guys that are able to create in space. Don't run the screens in a tricky way to the Traquan Smiths of the world or the Marquez Calloways of the world. Run the screens to the return tar- you know, to the return talent in Rashid Shahid. Run the screen in the- to the tight end. But run it to Jawan Johnson. Don't run it to some of these other guys that aren't getting a lot of that aren't getting you know as many as much play and stuff like that. So you have to also just be willing to maximize the talent that you have and utilize sort of a little bit of a a, a lost game plan in terms of what we've seen the New Orleans Saints really operate in an intermediate in uh, deep areas of the field over the course of this year. Getting back to kind of the behind the line of scrimmage, short area targets, quick slants, things like that. But utilize the talent that you have. Don't try to be tricky and then go to the other guys that maybe you're expecting the defense isn't paying attention to, there's a reason for that, right? So instead, maximize the guys that can create with the ball in their hands, that can do things as runners. Remember, this isn't just going to be complicated for the guys who have the ball in their hands. It's going to be complicated for the guys that are trying to tackle too, because they're playing in minus nine degree feeling weather as well. It doesn't get any easier just because they're on the opposite side of the ball. So uh, that's going to be the big thing to look out for is how will the New Orleans Saints create with such a limited offense, limited by the weather, and now again, limited by health and injury as well. Keep an eye out on the potential for James Hurst to be playing at right guard, Trevor Penning to be playing at left tackle. The reason why I mentioned that is because that kind of helps to bolster your run game a little bit because Trevor Penning is such a tenacious and raucous run blocker. He's also very equipped to play in this type of uh, environment, playing you know college at Northern Iowa and all that. But also getting him out on a running start his 
Him? That aggressive dude out with a running start on a screen pass? Yeah. Okay. Do that as many times as you can. So lots of opportunities for the New Orleans Saints to still take advantage of the talent that they have over on the offensive side, despite the fact they're missing perhaps their premier talent right now in Chris Olave. But Rashid Shahid should be able to step up to the call. Marquez Callaway should be able to step up to the call. And a lot of this game is going to run through the running backs and the tight ends anyway. So make sure you're getting them involved in a bunch of different ways, right? A lot of dynamic approach that the New Orleans Saints can take over the course of this game. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at the one advantage that the New Orleans Saints actually have in this game. And it's a pretty big one based on what we just discussed. So I'll break that down for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Today's episode brought to you by friends over at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can find whatever vehicle you need, wherever you want it from, a community of local hosts. This is really cool. So there's a huge selection of vehicles wherever you are, including the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, wherever, and whatever type of vehicle that you might be looking for as well. Maybe you're looking to book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family trip. Maybe you want to see if an electric car works with your everyday life. You want to test drive one of those, you can find those as well. Or maybe you want a classic or luxury car for the holidays. You got New Year's Eve coming up, probably some birthdays, things like that, holiday celebrations, special events that you can do. You can find all of that over at Turo.com today, T-U. R-O. And many Turo hosts will even deliver the car directly to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Um, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget about the boring rental cars. Find your drive today at Turo.com. Did you know that driving high could be considered driving under the influence? That's right. That means that driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. So you could, even if you need it, end up getting a DUI for driving while smoking. So be careful here, right? This means that if you drive high, you can get a DUI. And if you think that law enforcement officers can't tell that you're driving high, you're wrong. You can tell, the, uh, your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, and everyone can tell. So it might mean that you think that law enforcement officers don't know that you're driving high. However, driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and changes how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine while you're driving high, you are not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. So that's something to keep in mind. And of course, driving high is still driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by NHTSA. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. A little bit of a different like video look if you're watching over on YouTube. Today, I'm at my parents' house enjoying my time uh, for the holidays. You'll notice absolutely no New Orleans local media with the exception of the one, the only Ricardo LeCompte of WWL TV will be able to make the trip out to Cleveland. In my case, I knew I wasn't going out to Cleveland for this game no matter what. This was an opportunity for me to finally get to spend some time with family after career change and all these other things. That, you know, my, my, I'm not doing theater shows and all these other things during the Christmas holiday, so I'm not there. But everybody's flights got canceled. Everybody. Everybody's flights got canceled. So at the moment, Ricardo LeCompte will be the one and only guy that will be there tomorrow. So make sure you're checking him out at our LeCompte TV uh, as well as, of course, the local team, Deuce McAllister, uh, Steve Becker, Jeff Nowak, um, Aaron Summers, all those folks, of course, will be there as well. So what will the, the, the one advantage that the New Orleans Saints are, are going to have in this week or this week's game? What is it going to be? And, and really, it's one advantage over on the offensive side, one advantage over on the defensive side. 
Let's start with the offensive side because it's it most correlates what we just discussed. Like where will the New Orleans Saints find their offense without their you know premier passing threat in Chris Olave? This is going to be a game that's going to be won on the ground anyway. And the Cleveland Browns are one of the teams right now that's not really great when it comes to uh, when it comes to run defense. They're allowing five yards per carry on the ground. That's 29th in the NFL, so third from last in the NFL. They're 24th in the NFL when it comes to yards surrendered so far, 27th when it comes to rushing touchdowns surrendered so far. So that works in the New Orleans Saints' favor. This is a team, the New Orleans Saints, that struggled to run the ball. They got over 130 yards last week. They gave up over 230 yards on the other side, but that's neither here nor there. But they got over 130 rushing yards last week. So you could sort of feel a little bit of the rhythm there. And so you think back to a game like this is here. here let me let me put it to you this way. Here's what I would love for this game to look like. Remember the Buffalo Bills game back in 2017 where the New Orleans Saints ran like 20-something straight plays, scored 47 points. Everybody had rushing touchdowns. Dwayne Washington had a big breakaway rushing touchdown. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. That's what I would love for this game to look like, right? Very unlikely that it, that, that ends up being the case just based on all of the different elements and things like that that are going to be a part of this. But leaning on the run game, being able to, to being able to pick up yardage on the ground is going to be something that really can go a long way for the New Orleans Saints in this one. And the Cleveland Browns defense is not one that has been able to really put a cap on the run game. The, the issue, though, the challenge for the New Orleans Saints is going to be the fact that the defense for the Cleveland Browns is going to be looking to stop the run, right? That's they don't expect the Saints to really throw any passes in this one. The top of the defense or deep part of the defense is going to be five, six, seven yards downfield, not 20 yards downfield for the safeties. You're going to see a lot of loaded boxes, all those other things. So that is going to make it tricky for both of these teams to run the ball. But maybe that's where the New Orleans Saints get a little bit of an advantage. Think about the players that are going to be running the ball for the New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill, very hard to tackle. Alvin Kamara, very hard to tackle. Very, you know, He's got that contact balance, all of that. He's very elusive. You know, Benjamin, also very elusive, very explosive. So that's where the New Orleans Saints could maybe separate themselves over on the offensive side. So they're the the elusiveness that this team presents and the hard-to-tackle-ness that this team uh, uh, presents, the punishing runs of Taysom Hill, for instance, that is something that could potentially work in their favor in this one when it comes to uh, going up against the uh, Cleveland Browns, whose defense has missed a ton of tackles so far this season. So taking advantage of that, getting the yards after contact, that's where the New Orleans Saints can really separate themselves in this one. Over on the defensive side, the place that they excel where the Cleveland Browns have not been very good so far this season, particularly over the course of the past three games, even with Deshaun Watson now as their starter, uh, pass defense. So if the Saints are able to continue to take away the passing game as well as they have over the course of the recent weeks, particularly last week, though I know they were dealing with a rookie quarterback in that situation, them being able to keen in and focus on the defense or focus on the run game for the defense is going to be key in this one. So if they can keep focus on the run defense while also taking away all of those options in the passing game, then that ends up being a big, big benefit for the New Orleans Saints in this one. Because if they're able to, let's say, keep the Cleveland Browns to, let's just say, under 150 rushing yards, right? doesn't sound like that should be much to ask, although the Saints have given up over 200 rushing yards three times already this season. And they've given up 148 just a few weeks ago as well. Uh, if they can keep the run game there, but then also continue to take away the passing game as the secondary has continued to gel, then that ends up giving them an extra benefit because then they can really just focus in on taking away the run game. Then if they can start scoring points on the opposite side, then Cleveland has no choice but to start throwing passes. But where the Saints will have a big challenge is when Cleveland starts to throw those passes, can you force those turnovers? Can you turn that into mistakes, right? 
And so punching the ball out on the run game is definitely going to be a big part of that. Look for the Saints to just be raking away at the football when they go to make tackles. Look for several players to get to the get to the ball to make those tackles as well, gang tackles, all of that. But also look for the New Orleans Saints to be aggressive when Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns do drop back to pass because if you can get one or two turnovers and steal yourself an extra possession or two, then all of a sudden you're in the driver's seat in a game like this. So this is where paying attention to whether or not Marcus May is going to be able to go uh, as a game time decision, that becomes very important. Um, you know, Cade Nellis uh, stepping back into a starting role next to Demario Davis, that becomes very important because he's an excellent run defender, excellent pass rusher, all of that as well. So you're able to take advantage of sort of those opportunities when they present themselves. And then can you force the mistakes by Cleveland and take advantage of those as well? So you get this nice combination from New Orleans of, you know, a breakaway run here or there, which is something they haven't really been successful with so far this season. But can you find that with, you know, potentially Trevor Penning, you know, as a part of this and and sort of wearing down that defense and with Taysom Hill getting a lot of run, I think he'll get in this game. Can you do that? Can you pair that with forcing mistakes out of the Cleveland Browns? If so, then all of a sudden, like I mentioned, those one or two extra possessions, they end up winning the game or losing the game for you on the opposite side. So for the Saints, you can't turn the ball over. Got to find ways to generate a turnover or two. That's all it's going to take in this one. And then be able to put some points on the board as well and get that run game going along with the short passing game uh, as an extension of that run game. So you can find a way to get all that done. You can come away with a win here in Cleveland, but there is one place where the New Orleans Saints are going to have their biggest struggle, and it could be the biggest detriment in this game. So definitely something to watch. We'll get to that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints. Today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online, the Cleveland Browns minus three point favorites at the moment in this one. So do you think that the New Orleans Saints could potentially cover that, make it a closer game than that? Or do you think the New Orleans Saints could potentially win? You can go ahead and head over to Bet Online if you're feeling frisky and you want to get in on the action for that because they've got all the odds, lines, and props that you need. They've also got news scores, podcasts for you as well. I know you like sports podcasts because you're watching or listening to this one. Bet Online's got a bunch of them for you as well. So you can go and check that out as well as everything around the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, uh, horse racing, auto racing, esports. They've got it all over at Bet Online. All you have to do is head over today on your your uh, laptop, your desktop, or your mobile device so that you can get in on the action. Once again, it's betonline.net where the game starts. Get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with the biggest struggle that the New Orleans Saints have had really all throughout the season and one that could be of absolute detriment to them against Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, uh, Deshaun Watson, and the Cleveland Browns tomorrow on Saturday in a big, big wintry game in Cleveland. Appreciate you as always making us your first listen of the day for your second. Don't forget to go and check out Locked on Sports today wherever you get your podcasts as well. All right, so... For the New Orleans Saints, one of the places that they have struggled the most this season is in run defense. We know that the defense has been, I mean, to to a large extent, disappointing, right? Not a lot of turnovers being created, not great run defense, a place where they have usually consistently been at least top five, but certainly top three in certain situations as well. Uh, They haven't given up a ton of points or anything like that, but they certainly have not been the defense that we're accustomed to seeing so far this year. And one of the big reasons for that is that the Saints didn't really do a ton to address the defensive interior this offseason. They brought in Contavia Street, 
which has been a positive signing for them. They brought in Jaleel Johnson, who basically made it through training camp, and that was kind of it. Dealt with some injuries and stuff too. Didn't even really make it through training camp, if you consider that. Then they kept Shy Tuttle. They brought back Malcolm Roach. They brought back David Onyemata, who you knew, you know, you knew all those guys were going to be back. Where and of course they drafted Jordan Jackson as well out of the Air Force, but he has been on uh, the practice squad all season. So where the Saints have struggled the most with that defensive interior is average depth of tackle. So one of the big rules if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, is resetting the line of scrimmage. That becomes a huge focus. And so what I mean by that is, let's say that the Cleveland Browns are taking a snap from the 25. Their goal as an offensive line is to reset the line of scrimmage two, three yards upfield. So that means that those offensive linemen are getting their hands on the Saints defensive line and literally pushing the defensive line back to the 26, 27, or 28. That means that instead of that running back breaking the plane of the defensive line at the line of scrimmage, which is the 25, they don't end up breaking the plane of the line of scrimmage until the 26 or 27. So they're gaining one, two, three yards before they even cross a Saints defender. That has been an issue for the Saints defensive line so far this season. Malcolm Roach and uh, David Onyemata both average depth of tackles right around three yards, three yards or, 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 or further back. Shad Tuttles is at 3.8, nearly four yards upfield. So this has been a challenge for the Saints. What they're not seeing a lot of is push from the defensive interior. So that would mean resetting it in the other direction. Take the snap from the 24, but the Saints defensive line is pushing the Cleveland Browns offensive line backwards to where instead of that running back not breaking the plane until the 25, the plane is being reset to the 24, 23, or 22. That's why getting your push up front is so important and resetting the line of scrimmage. The Saints have not done that successfully over on the defensive side. Instead, they're being reset to the point to where they're not making tackles, but three to four yards upfield. So after that running back has already gained three to four yards. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, obviously, some of those averages get blown out a little bit out of proportion because some wide receiver comes over the cross on a shallow cross or comes over the middle of the field on a shallow cross, makes the catch over the middle of the field. And... Shy Tuttle makes a tackle six yards downfield as he works upfield. So, you know, like that ends up changing what the average looks like. But even in the run game, you can see it just watching the game, watching the tapes. You can see the New Orleans Saints defensive line oftentimes being pushed back and therefore resetting the line of scrimmage in favor of the offense. So this is going to be the biggest thing that you should be keeping an eye out on when the New Orleans Saints defense is on the field. How is that defensive line holding up? Are they holding their ground or even better? Are they getting pushed and forcing the Cleveland Browns offensive line back? Cleveland Browns are top five in the NFL when it comes to the run game. So their offensive line has been putting in a lot of work. The defensive line for the New Orleans Saints is going to have to really change the trend here and be able to fight back against that Cleveland Browns offensive line in order to be able to make sure that they're not allowing all that all those yards before any contact is made. And then, and then. For the rest of the defense, when the contact is made, get the ball carrier to the ground and try to get after the football. That's going to be the New Orleans Saints' biggest test over the course of this game, their biggest struggle over the course of this game, and definitely what you should be watching when that defense is on the field. Coming up after the game on Saturday, I'll be at another spot. We're heading to a uh, uh, family's heading to an Airbnb for like another thing. So it'll be a whole other different uh, look back here on the video side, but all, you know, regardless, we'll have your live postcast right after the game. And then Sunday afternoon, I'll drop the Monday episode, which will be uh, the recap and everything for you. So we'll go through all of that 
uh, or maybe even Monday morning, I'll drop it so that everybody can enjoy their Christmas day and then we'll have another episode for you up on Monday. So then we'll get back to two a days after that for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday moving forward through next week. I appreciate y'all. As always, we can Locked on Saints, a part of your day and a part of your routine. And of course, making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked on Sports today as well. Get beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the Locked on local experts, bringing you the insight that only Locked on can provide. Available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Appreciate you for always saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. I trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.